My name is Ty French, and this is my podcast. That's why it's called the Ty French Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Thai French Podcast. My name is Ty French and this is my podcast. And that's why it's called the Thai French Podcast. And I just have an amazing announcement to share with you all. I've been telling you that and giving you that intro for exactly one year. Woo! 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 Happy one year anniversary to the Thai French Podcast. To my little tyrants, I just... <laughs> I can't believe it's been one year and I can't believe that you guys even listen to me and I just never knew what this podcast was going to grow into or the community that it would give me and I just have so much fun recording for you guys every week and it's been such a journey. I've learned so much about myself and I've gained so much confidence through this podcast and obviously that's with the help of you guys, my little tyrants just egging me on, um, giving me life. So just wanted to say happy birthday, happy anniversary to my little tyrants. And I love you guys so much. And there's a lot of changes coming up to the podcast. I've said that a thousand times and that's the last time I'm going to mention it until the <laughs> changes actually happen. Um, maybe I'll give you a little sneak peek. Maybe I'll give you a little hint, but we might be going through a rebrand here in the next few, uh, I don't even know how long. So I'm actually not going to say a specific time period, but yeah, we might I know there's going to be some, there's going to be some backlash and there's going to be some not, there's going to be people that don't like this, but we might have a little name change coming soon. And yeah, with that, you know, there's just a lot of change coming. I'm just throwing that out there. That's a little sneak peek for the one, for the one year <laughs> anniversary. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of hesitation at first, but I think um, in the long run, it's going to end up being so fun and you guys will really love it. So I'm really excited to kind of get working on that. But I wanted that to all be done before the one year anniversary and it wasn't shocker. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really excited and I can't wait for that to all unfold. But just wanted to say huge, 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 huge thank you to all of my little tyrants, anyone who's ever listened and posted it on their story or shared it with a friend or anything. It really helps me so, so much. If you haven't left a rating and review yet, please do so in the podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at Thai French Podcast. Um, that helps a lot too. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the next year. Also, if you guys are watching on YouTube, yes, this one's on YouTube. Um, you'll see my new little contraption that I've got going on. I'm really excited. I'm really blown out. So sorry about that. I'm trying to figure out, I need to get like a curtain for something behind me. I have a curtain, but I, you know, leave me alone. My, my hair is going to be blown out, but I've got this new podcast microphone arm and I've been needing one of these for so long because now I can finally be hands free. So when I'm chatting and I'm feeling really excited about a story, you guys might hear me clapping. You might hear me, you know, be a little bit more aggressive with my hands because I'm a clapper. If I'm if I'm being dramatic, I'm gonna be in your face. I don't know if that the mic's even really picking it up because my microphone has to be so sensitive because I live on kind of a busy street, so it picks up a lot um, outside and like my air conditioner and stuff. But anyways, 
yeah, if you guys, I, I was going to sit down to record the podcast literally, and I've been waiting for these podcast arms to show up forever. And literally I'm not kidding. As I was about to sit down to record, I get a call from my front door that um, FedEx was here and it was the arms. And so I signed whatever. It was great. And so I spent the last little 30 minutes jerry rigging this little situation. Jerry rig. Is that even a word? Like, I don't know what that means, but anyways, maybe we'll save that for a totally random episode. Um, yeah, I've been jerry-rigging this thing, and I don't know. The next few weeks over on YouTube, you might see um, me playing around with my visual setting. I don't really know. I haven't. I'm, I'm kind of liking what it's looking like right now. I think it's kind of cute. But yeah, I haven't really nailed down. It's so much easier when I have a guest on because then I just have me and my guest chatting, and it's filming it and whatever. I know where to look, but when it's just me... I'm feeling awkward. I'm feeling awkward in my house and I'm just looking into the camera talking. Podcasting without visuals is so much easier. Um, but we're in 2023. We got to get them visuals. But now that I feel like I don't have to hold that dumb pole, if you guys have watched any of the YouTube videos in the past, you know, I've been holding just like a little mic stand and it's been very annoying. Now that I can be hands free, I'm feeling I'm feeling cuckoo crazy. I'm feeling kind of excited. I don't know what to do with my hands. And yeah, so bear with me. But I am a very visual talker with my hands. So now you guys get to see that a little bit more. Anyways, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in so long because there was no Friday episode last week. I'm so sorry. But you know what? There was just a lot happening in my life and with the podcast and I had some technical difficulties and I wasn't feeling very cute. And yeah, I, I had like, I had already prepared the whole episode for last week, but I just wasn't really feeling in the mood to record, honestly. So, you know, I didn't want to give you guys a half-assed episode. So we are back strong for the one year anniversary. This is, I was going to do like a one year anniversary special, but I don't know. I feel like after my two birthday episodes this month, um, I kind of said everything I needed to say. A lot of those episodes, um, or a lot of those episodes, both of those episodes like were really reflecting on the last year of my life, which a huge part of that was the podcast. So I don't really feel like I have anything else to add other than I, I just love you guys and your continued support just means a lot. And since it's been a while since we've chatted, since I've sat down and recorded an episode, I've got some fun life updates for you guys. I went to... The Alicia Keys concert. And Alicia Keys isn't really an artist that I would necessarily like, you know, think to buy a concert ticket for that I would necessarily like be like super pumped to go to her um, tour. But obviously I love Alicia Keys and she's iconic and she's amazing and she's an amazing vocalist. But I would just never think to like go to her show. I didn't even know she was on tour. I don't like follow her career like that. But her team reached out to me and was like, hey, we'll give you two tickets if you post our tour on your Instagram story. And so I was like, duh, hello, send me the tickets. So I posted it like a few weeks ago and kind of forgot about it entirely. I was kind of a little drunk. I was being a little feral rat when I posted it. And I didn't really even read when the tour was. I didn't put it in my calendar or anything. And so then last week, literally on a random weeknight, it was like Wednesday, um, I got an email from Ticketmaster and it's like, you've received Alicia Keys tickets. And I was like, um... <laughs> It's tonight. Okay. Okay. So, um, and instead of sending me two tickets, like up in like section 100, they ended up sending me four tickets down on the floor. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> this is a very different night than I thought I was going to have. So I took the gaze and we went and had a ball of a time at Alicia Keys. 
she is so talented and so gorgeous and so stunning. And yeah, it was just, I like didn't realize how many of her songs I knew and how many just like old bangers she has and how many like, she really has so many songs that like I grew up on that it was just really fun to go. And it was my friend Chandler's last night in Los Angeles before he moved to Chicago. I know I've been saying a lot on the podcast um, that I have a friend that's moving to Chicago, but this was his last night. And so it was really fun to get a go and just have one last little hurrah with the Rat Pack. And yeah, it was really fun. She's so talented. If you guys, I don't know when her tour ends, but if you guys have a chance to go see her, I highly recommend. I know they, at um, that tour, they said that they were filming it also for something. So I'm sure she's got like an Amazon Prime or HBO or something documentary, something coming out. So when it comes out, make sure you watch it and maybe you'll see, maybe you'll see the Rat King. I don't know. Maybe I'll make a feature. I was living my life. Like when New York came on in New York. Ooh, concrete jungle. Wow, 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 wow. It was a banger. I won't lie. In other news, I locked myself out of the apartment again. If you guys follow Outside French Podcast on Instagram, you guys would have already seen this. But Okay, so the first time I locked myself out of the apartment, I locked myself out of the building. And I ran into a little tyrant, and it was cute, and it was fun, whatever. I was a little drunk. I was with Jose, so it was, like, not that big of a deal. I got back in. The second time I got locked out of my apartment, I at least had my phone. So I could Uber to my leasing office or whatever and get the spare key and then come back in and get my car key. This time, I was, you know, cleaning. I was organizing. Did I already tell this story on the podcast? I don't think I did. I was cleaning. I was organizing. I was doing laundry. And so I go up to my laundry room, which is outside of my actual apartment unit. And somehow or another, the door automatically locked on me for when I returned. Now, I was just running upstairs real quick to do some laundry. I was just running upstairs. I was organizing. I, I, I was not ready. Gym clothes. Messy hair. Oh, and what do you not hold in your hand? When you're doing laundry, your phone. I did not have my phone. So I was locked out of my apartment. I had no phone, no keys, no fun, no friends. It was literally like, I, 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 I'm not kidding when I say I tried to actually break down the door. I was like, I, there's, I, what am I supposed to do? Like, there's literally nothing I can do. So, um, Needless to say, I knocked on my neighbor's door and I was like, I'm so sorry to do this, but can I use your phone? First off, I knock on her door and she's so nice. She's literally the nicest human alive. She moved in like a few days before me, but I knock on her door and she's like on the phone and I was like, yeah, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need that phone, ma'am. So I knock on the door. She opens it. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I locked myself out. Can I please Google a locksmith on your phone and call them from your phone so that they can come let me in? And so she lets me do it. I call them. They're like, okay, great. We'll be there in like 40 minutes. So, yep. I waited outside in the hallway for like 30, 40 minutes. Just chilling. No phone. Just reflecting on how big of a dumbass I am. And, yeah, that was a low point in my life. And that was also probably since the moment I got my iPhone when I was in the eighth grade. Probably the longest I've been without my phone other than when I am asleep. So uh, needless to say, there was just a lot to ponder on within those 40 minutes. I was sitting on the staircase, looking out the window of my apartment building, just really reflecting. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it was nice. It was, I probably needed it. It was God saying, calm it down, get off your phone. 
But no, um, the the locksmith comes in, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you it took him point five seconds to open my door. Like it's actually kind of scary. Whatever tool he was using, a I need, and two I hope criminals do not have access to buy that on Amazon because he opened it a little too quick. Um, yeah, he opened it, and then three hundred dollars. That'll be three hundred dollars, sir. Oh, oh, oh. I'm in the wrong profession. I'm in the wrong profession because because you're getting paid $300 per minute. Um, Yeah, I'm going to need to get that tool. I'm going to need to get my hands on that tool and go around to be a locksmith for these hoes who are idiots like me locking themselves out of the apartment. So, yeah. Um, any sort of growth I had from that free therapy hour without my phone immediately went down the drain when I had to sell this nice um, pedestrian $300 for letting me back into my apartment. That completely ruined my whole entire day. Like I, and it was a Friday. It was a Friday night. Well, Friday afternoon. Um, yeah. Yep. I drank after that. I was like, ah, I'm going out because this is some bullshit. However, I just spent all my money that I was supposed to spend on drinks on the door. So, yeah, that was my weekend um, this last weekend on Friday. Um, what else do we got going on? Um, this morning, <laughs> if you guys follow my anti-French Instagram, this morning you guys would have seen that I finally, you guys know, I've been talking about how I'm going to be this uh, Cali bitch. I'm being this basic Venice boy. I'm ready to be this basic Cali girl for summer. And I got roller skates. So I finally went roller skating out on the boardwalk this morning um, here in Venice to just, you know, be active, start my day. I didn't want to go on a walk. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I need to stop. I need to stop talking. I need to start doing. I've been talking a lot of talk on here on the podcast and I got to start doing. I got to start being that basic Cali bitch. So I took my skates. I took my headphones and I went and had a ball of a time. Overall, 10 out of 10 experience. Loved it. However, I do have a broken knee. <laughs> I did fall just once, luckily, and I took a I took a big old tumble. My knee feels like it is in twelve thousand pieces, and also feels the size of a cantaloupe. So yeah, stay tuned tomorrow for the bruise, and also if it is broken. But it's uh, I'm hoping it's just a little swollen and just needs a little bit of Advil. I don't have any Advil, but I'm uh, I'm gonna go get some later. My life is a joke. <laughs> okay. So my memory card just got full. So <laughs> backing up where I left off. But like I said, my knee is broken. So I was I was feeling real comfy. And just the mere act of having to get that memory card switched out makes me want to die. So I might um, be a leg amputee here next week. I don't, oh, it hurts so bad. That was just really... But a damper on my mood. Awesome. Um, anyways, hopefully it's all fine and I can get back out on them skates um, soon because it was a very euphoric experience. I won't lie. I grew up going to the roller skating rink. A lot of you guys were DMing me and like, <laughs> we're like, um, how are you already so good at skating? But the OG tyrants know that even last year or my 25th birthday. Oh, that's getting too far. My 25th birthday, I rented out um, Moonlight Rollerway here in Los Angeles. And I grew up going to the roller skating rink. And honestly, it's like riding a bike. Like I haven't been in so long. I probably haven't been since I rented out that skating rink. And literally I was nervous that the terrain was going to be a little rough 
and I was gonna fall because I've only ever done it like on a rink. But Venice Beach has like a uh, like concrete pad, like specifically for skating, so it's pretty smooth. Um, yeah, I did go on the like actual boardwalk for a while. Like I skated maybe like half a mile and back. Now that was some rougher terrain, and on the sand it was getting a little slipper slidery, and that one was a little bit more sketch. It required a lot more core work, a lot about a little bit more balance. But that isn't where I biffed it. I biffed it when I was trying to change songs and I wasn't watching my feet. And one of the wheels crossed with the other wheels, and now I got a broken knee. Anyway, <laughs> I got to quit it with these accents. Like, I cannot stop. Once I get started, like, it, my neighbors probably literally hate me. And also, I can't stop playing with this microphone arm because I'm just so used to holding the thing. But anyways, that's kind of all the life updates I have for you guys. Um... The apartment is pretty much all done. I've got, you know, I want to do, you know, maybe like a surfboard on the wall and some pictures I want to hang and things like that. But other than that, oh, well, and the closet situation, but I ain't talking about that right now. Um, other than that, we are pretty much good to go. So, yeah, I'm going to be hopefully doing a like apartment tour soon. I want to get back into YouTube with this whole new apartment. <laughs> I say back in YouTube, I've never done YouTube. I've never done, <laughs> I, I did like one vlog for my Thai French Pride, which actually was hilarious. But yeah, I feel like I want to do more documenting of my life of just like day to day. Obviously, I like give you guys life updates here on the podcast, but I feel like it'd be fun to do more video and stuff. I don't know. Let me know if you guys would even like that or if you guys would rather it be on like Patreon or something. I don't know. I've thought about that because I'd be, I'd be out here hustling in these streets. I need some dollars. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Stay tuned. Let me know if you guys would even be interested in that. Um, yeah. Okay. Before we get into today's episode, let's give the song of the week. It is Sam Smith and Calvin Harris desire. And it is literally the song of the summer. I cannot stop listening to it. Sam's voice is so amazing. It feels so nostalgic all of their collabs that they do with DJs are just so iconic and so beautiful. And Calvin Harris is obviously iconic and a funny situation about this song and why it's just really special to me as a song of the week <laughs> is I was a hater when I was drunk and um, Calvin Harris posted a TikTok like sneak peek, like when he was announcing the song and I was a hater when I was drunk home from the bars and I commented on the TikTok and I was like, don't do the annoying long ass <laughs> TikTok rollout like all these artists do and ruin the song before it even comes out. And out of all the comments, Calvin Harris responds to mine and just is like, LOL, we'll see. And I was like, oh, not him reading my hate comment. Not me looking like a loser being a hater up in the comments being desperate for the release. Um, and he didn't. He didn't ruin the rollout of the song because... I'm still obsessed and I'm still its number one band and it is such a good song. Like I said, it just really feels like nostalgic and summery and Sam's voice is so amazing on it and they're just such a good team. So love the song. It's called Desire. Calvin Harris, Sam Smith. Go check it out. Okay. So today's episode is the ever so famous Barbenheimer trend. Barbenheimer, if you don't know what that is, you live under a rock, but it's Barbie and Oppenheimer. Two great movies that came out on the same day, and it was just like this running joke on the internet. Um, it became like a meme, Barbenheimer, because they're basically literally the complete opposites of movies. And one's like super pink, one is super dark, one is really serious, one's really campy. Anyways, so 
during the whole marketing of the Barbie movie, which we'll get into in a minute, um, yeah, it just kind of became this like viral internet trend, Barbenheimer. And people were saying that they're going to go see them on the same day because they come out on the same day. Yada, 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 yada. So I decided, y'all know I don't like movies, but I obviously had to go see Barbie and I wanted to give it a review on the podcast and Oppenheimer also looked really good. And I was just going to wait until they come out because I don't like going to the movies. You guys know this. Jose always talks about it, but I want to talk about it while it's still fresh, while the movies are fairly new. So for you, for my little tyrants, I went to the movie yesterday, not to just see Barbie, but to do Oppenheimer. Type French did Barbenheimer. I actually did it. I took the meme off the internet and brought it to real life. And now I'm going to take my thoughts from that experience. I'm going to relay them to you, my little tyrants. Um, first off, let me just say, holy shit. <laughs> like, I probably haven't been to a movie since, like, COVID times. And then to go to a movie by myself, one, was a lot. Two, to do two movies back to back. When I say back to back, I mean I walked out of Barbie and immediately walked into Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer is a three-hour movie. So, yeah, needless to say, literally my whole entire day yesterday was watching movies in the movie theater by myself. So I did only consume M&Ms and a little pizza situation was actually surprisingly very good. However, I will say, I regret going to the movie theater that I did. I just went to like, I don't know the movie theaters around here. I'm new. I'm a new Venice rat. I'm a new West Side guy. And so I just went to the closest theater to me and it said it was like an AMC. I was like, AMC is great, whatever. I pull up to this place and I was like, um, this is a strip mall. The, the building is not even taller than probably 12 feet. So where's the screen fitting in here? Where, where are the rows of seats with the slant, with the stairs? Like, how is this going to work? I'm very confused. Maybe it's underground. I don't know. So I go into the, the movie, and the first one, Barbie, bigger room. I was very shocked at the architecture. I did not understand the physics and how it was working because, like I said, from outside, it looks like literally a strip mall. It looked like a, a Sally's. It looked like, uh, I don't even know what else to describe it. Like literally the building was not tall at all. And I walk in and it's like a normal theater. The The seats weren't very like high up on steps. Um, so you could kind of see the, the seat in front of you, which was a little disappointing. But the, the screen was big. It was a big room. I was shook. I didn't understand it. Physics, I don't know. However, Oppenheimer, smaller room like flat seats, way smaller screen. And Oppenheimer is supposed to be seen in IMAX. And like IMAX is like, you know, just really good quality, whatever, blah, 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 blah. This is probably the worst movie theater in America to see this movie in. So that was a little bit of a downer. I won't lie. I do regret not seeing it in IMAX and getting the full experience because I feel like it really would have put me more like in the scene, especially having just come from Barbie, which was in a bigger screen and, you know, I was already, you know, feeling tired, uh, confused. <laughs> and I, if it was like a nicer theater, I feel like it would have just been a better all over experience. So that's that. However, I feel like I never know when award season comes around. Like, I never know half the movies they're talking about. I've never seen them. I've never heard of them. I, like, all the ones last year, literally, I feel like especially because of the podcast, so I was covering a lot of the award shows, um, 
I never heard of any of those movies. The only one I had heard of was really Elvis. But like, what were the other ones called? I don't even know. I can't even remember them. There was like that. There was that war one. <laughs> there was a war one. There was like Dunkirk or something. I don't know. There were a lot of movies. Um, now I know why I don't ever know those movies. And now I remember like being a kid and going to the movie theater and seeing all the previews before the movie. And like that was the first time I had heard that that movie was coming out. Like there were so many movies of previews yesterday that I was like, um, I had absolutely no idea that this was even a movie or that it was coming out. And it's like coming out next month. Like there was a Bob Marley movie that is coming out next year that looks so good and so beautiful. I don't really know much about Bob Marley, but just from the preview that I saw, it looks like it's going to be very inspiring and very emotional. So I'm really excited um, for that one. Dune 2, you guys know I'm obsessed with Dune 1. So I am just like, I've been anxiously awaiting this, but I feel like I hadn't seen that preview specifically that they put in the movie theater. So I was really happy to see that. Um, Willy Wonka. Um, Mr. Timothy Chalamet, maybe stick to Dune. Maybe stick to the desert. Leave that chocolate for Johnny Depp. Maybe you should return that golden ticket. Give it back to Johnny D. And stay back in the sand dunes with Miss Zendaya. Because Willy Wonka is looking like a hard pass. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Um, I am glad that they are kind of like reimagining it with a new storyline. They're not just like doing another interpretation of the Johnny Depp um, and I, I'm sorry, I don't know the OG's names one, but whatever. The OG one kind of creeps me out. The Johnny Depp one is a little bit more like my level. Um, so I'm glad that it's just not like copying that. And it's kind of a new story, just like the same name that he's a chocolatier or whatever. But it's looking like a big no. It's giving me like greatest showman energy. And I say that with no disrespect because I love the greatest showman. But it's kind of giving me that energy in like a worse way. Like it's trying to be the greatest showman, but like it's not going to work because it doesn't have Hugh Jackman. Is that his name? Anyways. Um, so I had just come out of Barbie. We'll get into my thoughts on that in a minute. And I'm sitting in Oppenheimer about to start. I got my little pizza because I just sat through a whole movie and I was feeling a little hungry and I realized I had three hours to go. So the only thing that they had was pizza or popcorn. I don't like popcorn. Why is popcorn only at movies? I don't know. Why is popcorn the go-to snack for a movie theater? I don't know because I don't like popcorn. So the only thing I could get for dinner was pizza. So I got this pizza. I'm in there. I'm eating. I'm, I'm watching all the same trailers that I had basically just sat through in Barbie. However, one comes up and it intrigues me. It's got some spooky music and it's two little girls and whatever we're vibing jail jail to the exorcist jail to the exorcist trailer that is it was so disturbing it started out cute these two little girls they get kidnapped whatever i'm into like a little true crime they come back they are possessed and the trailer showed me everything i needed to know and i didn't want to know any of it i didn't need to know any of it and now i do know it and i was by myself and watching a scary movie is kind of fun when you were with, like, friends or whatever. But I was alone. And I had just come out of Barbie. I was already kind of tired. And it really put me in a weird energy going into Barbenheimer, into Oppenheimer. And I did not like it. Jail to, jail to the Exorcist, I will not be seeing. I will not be <laughs> partaking in it whatsoever. Okay, so first, let's talk about Barbie. And then I will talk about Oppenheimer. Obviously, I guess I should say... Spoiler alert, because I'm going to be talking about the movies. So if you haven't seen the movies and you don't want to know anything, um, 
then maybe pause this podcast and listen to it after you watch the movies. Also, I'm not really going to be giving away like the actual stuff that happened, like the whole storyline. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Proceed with caution, I guess, because I don't want nobody to be coming up in, in the DMs with some hate. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to talk about with Barbie is, of course, the marketing. Let me just preface with saying, I love the movie. The movie was great. My overall thoughts, loved it. Nothing, nothing about that movie warranted the amount of products and brand collaborations that preceded this film. It was a little out of hand. And I wish that the movie had come out and then all the collaborations had come out because, you know, you saw a movie, you saw the Barbie movie, you're obsessed, and now you want the pink suitcase. Now you want the Barbie shit. Now you want to... It was too much beforehand that then by the time I watched the movie, I felt like I was just watching one big commercial, especially the cars. There were there was a Chevy part in the movie where like Barbie, you know, is running away from the Mattel execs and she hops in the Chevy car. There was like a two minute segment of pure Chevy cars on a Los Angeles freeway. And it was literally a car commercial. And then the part where you know, weird Barbie holds up the high heel or the Birkenstock and Barbie has to choose between the two. Um, that was literally a Birkenstock commercial. That was an ad. Like there were just so many parts about it that felt like an ad placement that I feel like had all the marketing of the movie just not been thrown at us with all these collaborations beforehand. It wouldn't have felt so like ad centric, but it's like Chevy has literally used that clip as an ad, like in Peacock and stuff. I've seen the ad multiple times. So I've, I, I saw it as a commercial before I saw it as a movie. That's not okay. Like, do the clip the movie and create a commercial with it afterwards. But why am I watching the commercial as a movie before I see the movie? I, I don't know. It was weird. Let's let's list off all the brand collaborations that Barbie did um, before the movie. Let's see. Okay, they've got the Barbie's Bay's bags. Gorgeous, love it. Hopping suitcases, cute. You know, we love it. We love bays. Um, Primark, they had a Barbie capsule collection. Don't know what that is. Smash and Tess had a Barbie collection. Don't know what that is. Cool. Um, Alex and Annie, great. Okay, jewelry, love it. Barbie and Cotton on. Okay, we're getting out of hand. Burger King and Barbie. Do I need a pink burger? I don't think so. It's looking absolutely feral on my phone right now it is looking so disgusting this is the first time i'm seeing this collaboration there is pink jizz all over this burger and i'm not okay with it um barbie and joy bird you know that's cute i'll give them a pass you got a pink couch love it barbie and tangle teaser eh, i'm gonna give that one a pass because you know barbie the tangle hair it's a brush okay i get it whatever um barbie and crocs not really my thing. Um, Barefoot Dreams and Barbie. Barefoot Dreams is looking like a little cozy robe. Okay, whatever. Barbie and Boohoo. Okay, we're getting a lot of hand with the clothing. Barbie and Superga. Don't know what that is. It's just ugly shoes. Pinkberry and Barbie. Whatever, I guess. Go get some pink yogurt. Barbie and Fossil. Why do you want... I uh, Forever 21 and Barbie. Okay, is that not a direct competitor with Boohoo? I'm getting confused. I would like to read those contracts. Homesick and Barbie. 
It's like a candle. Whatever. What does Barbie smell like? I don't know. Gap in the Barbie. Okay, there's too many Barbie clothes collaborations. Pick one clothing brand, one travel accessory brand, one this brand. Like, there's too much. It's like literally everyone. Zara had one. Um, Canada Pooches. Uh, Barbie and Fun Boy. Okay, that one makes sense. You know, some pool floaties. We love that. Barbie and MeUndies. Okay, we got some Barbie undies. Cold Stove Creamery. Once again, how is that not a direct competitor with Pinkberry? Wouldn't their contract be that it has to be... Like, it's just... I could go on forever. This is NYX Cosmetics. There's um Kitsch... I don't know what that is. Ruggable. Uh, Impala Skate. Okay, the skatings are actually cute. The roller skates are cute, and it makes sense because they were, like, actually in the movie. But once again, now that I'm seeing these, the movie's feeling like a commercial. Chi Hair... Aldo, which I love my Aldo fam, Moon Oral, Hot Wheels, Swoon, Sun, Halle Shade, Show Me Your Mew Mew, Posh Peanut. I don't even know what that is. Posh Peanut. There's too much. Like, come on. That is out of hand. Because not only are we getting all these brand collaborations, then we're getting all the red carpet appearances with Margot Robbie. Everything was just a little too much. I will never look at Hot Pink the same, which sucks because I love Hot Pink. And hot pink is JC's color. Um, I don't know. I feel like if all of these collabs would have come out after I'd seen the movie and like fallen in love with the movie, then maybe they wouldn't have been as like, it would have, <laughs> can I talk? It would not have annoyed me as much, but it was just a little too much before I saw the actual movie that then by the time I saw the movie, it was like, oh my God, like there's so many ad placements. It's actually insane. Okay. The actual movie. So well done. I was kind of going into it being a little bit of a hater because I was just so over the marketing and everything and all the press and blah, 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 blah. But it really did live up to the hype. It is so beautiful. And like seeing all the behind the scenes and stuff like was, I was, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later. That's one of my totally random thoughts, but, um, so I'll save it to chat with, with Jose, but, um, the whole set design and the fact that pretty much most of it was not CGI, it was all like actual sets in a sound studio was just so beautiful. And you could tell they just spent so much time and like every detail was thought of, you know, the hairbrush, the no water coming out of the sink and how she flies down from the car. Like every single detail was so stunning. I loved the big dance break at the uh, beginning where like Dua Lipa was singing her song or whatever. I do kind of wish that you, there was a little bit more of her time in Barbie land as Barbie, like before she immediately, you know, fell to the ground and started this existential crisis. Um, because I think that is a big thing that people, you know, we're going to get into the whole patriarchy thing, but a lot of people just wanted it to be like fun and Barbie and like not political and whatever. And so I feel like I wish there was a little bit longer of a period of time while it was just campy and fun. Um, because there was, it was very heavy on the patriarchy talk and you know, the womanhood of it all, which I think is great, but I understand people wanting to just have like a fun Barbie movie and have it be like campy and fun. However, I think that that sets them up for like, okay, I know they don't want to do a sequel and Barbie, I'm, I'm normally like not a sequel person, but I think what they should do if they do anything is do a Ken 
sequel where it's just Ken and it's him navigating life and finding himself in Barbie land and they never leave Barbie land. And so then it's just like the campiness that people wanted the Barbie movie to be. And obviously, yeah, sure. There's still going to be like problems or whatever. Maybe, maybe that in Barbie land, like then they actually do learn to fall in love with each other and they do have relationships and Ken's aren't just Ken and they, you know, do have whatever. And that can just be like campy and fun and colorful and all in Barbie land. And Barbie can just, you know, live her human life. But I don't know. I think that would be like a happy medium with not having a sequel. But then also people get that fix of that campiness that maybe they were missing in Barbie. Um, I will say it was so fun to have a lot of it filmed in Venice Beach. Obviously, I just moved to Venice Beach, as you guys know. And it just felt like like literally I went roller skating this morning and I broke my knee. But <laughs> I literally went roller skating this morning. And so to see them like roller skating, you know, on all these places that I go roller skating, they were walking on the place that I do my morning walks. And it was just really fun to see. It felt like like Barbie was coming into my world almost. I don't know. Also, I was a little nervous about the casting of the whole movie when it all came out. Like, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't really understand the the Ken and Ryan Gosling thing. I'm a hater. I was, you know, saying he was a little too old and I was like, you know, maybe you should get some Botox before you do this role. Um, I was being a hater. I admit it. And I didn't know if Mar- Margaret Robbie was perfect for the role. I didn't understand why Kate McKinnon was in it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I was being a hater with the with the casting. However, it was literally perfectly cast. Like everyone was perfect. I actually loved Ryan in the movie. I didn't think he was too old. The fact that you know his forehead moved and he had wrinkles, I actually quite liked because it was leaning into the idea that like Kens are just Ken and they're not perfect and it's not about them. It's about Barbie. They're just like in the world with them. Um, also, his body, his body. Wowza, 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 wowza. However, I will say, it was a little hard to get into Ken's full fantasy because Ken is literally my friend Ash. Like, my friend Ash, who has been on the podcast before, who you know, I used to train with a lot when I was working out, they look identical. They have very similar bodies. Like, they, Ash just dyed his hair blonde. The only difference is Ash is covered in tattoos. But Literally, like, the whole time, the faces he makes, the way he laughs, like, everything, the way he talks, like, I was just like, wow, like, I am so taken out of this fantasy because you are literally one of my best friend's doppelgangers. So that was taking me out of the Ken fantasy a little bit, but I did really enjoy Ryan Gosling as Ken, and that was something that I was prepared to be the biggest hater about. Um, Margot Robbie is literally so freaking beautiful. She's so perfect. And she made the perfect Barbie. She like just the acting was incredible. She was campy. It was fun. All the like the wigs, the costume design, the set design, everything about the movie was just literally beautiful. I was so obsessed with how like saturated the colors were and all the sets and just, I mean, literally whoever did that set design or costume design, 1,000% should get an Oscar or whatever award they get for that type of a situation. They earned it. Um, I don't know if I think that Margot and Ryan necessarily should get Oscars for the acting because I do think their acting was great and I do love the movie, but I don't think it necessarily like had to do with their acting. I don't know if that makes any sense or if that makes me sound like I'm being a hater, but like I, I mean, I guess maybe there's not that many other like movies out right now that have like a strong uh actress as the main role so maybe she doesn't have much competition but like 
I think it was more about the set design and the costume design and all of that that should be getting awards and like you know the album and all of that. I all, speaking of the album, I did really like how I was a little nervous how because the the album is so good, but it was like a lot. You know, they have every single artist on there. They have Nicki Minaj, Kim Petras, they have Charlie XCX, the whole roundup. And so I was scared that between that and all the brand placements and everything that the movie was just going to be like, okay, A, I've already heard this all and it's just a little too much. Um, I didn't feel like that at all. The music worked perfectly in it and I actually didn't really even notice a lot of the songs. I feel like they were kind of nicely in the background. I loved um, Charlie XCX's Speed Drive, obviously in the car commercial, <laughs> but that song just fits so perfect and I love that song. Um, and then the I did love the Lizzo song when she wakes up at the beginning and, you know, it's all this cute song. And then when day two starts and Lizzo is singing the things that are happening to her that's bad or she's thinking about death or whatever I thought was really cute and like really campy. One of my favorite characters of the movie was Weird Barbie. Kate McKinnon, I think that's her name or that's how you say it, was so freaking funny. Like I was actually laughing out loud in the theater by myself when she came on. Like the things that she was saying just were so out of pocket. And I feel like her character was the first one to kind of say things that you wouldn't expect to be said in Barbie land, obviously because she's weird Barbie, but you know, like she was being making like very like crass jokes and commentary and, you know, like very like, you know, almost like sexual innuendos and things like that, that, I was just obsessed with. She was so funny in it. She was one of the casting things when, um, casting choices that when it was announced the cast, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I picture her being a Barbie, but that's me being a hater and I take it back and I was wrong and I'm, I'm willing to admit that because she was literally the best part. Also, Will Smith. Wait, Will Smith? Will, no. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell was also one of my favorite characters. He, okay, so this is what I thought of Will Ferrell's character. Will Ferrell's character was literally if Buddy the Elf in Elf, you know, he he leaves the North Pole. He goes to New York City. He's with his dad who's mean and is a business guy and whatever. Now, Barbie, as if there was like an alternate ending to Elf and Buddy the Elf grew up and his dad had taught him all of his business ways and, you know, didn't find the North Pole and didn't find Santa Claus or whatever. If he had taught him all his business ways and then Buddy the Elf became a corrupt businessman and moved to Los Angeles, but he still had that, that childhood in him. And he still had that, you know, yearning for magic and otherworldly places. So he became the CEO of Mattel because he's into, you know, Barbie land and this whole fantasy of whatever, because Barbie land and the North pole live in a s alternate universe together. And so buddy, the elf likes that. However, he has been corrupted by his evil father. And so he is like a little, like, you know, uh, uh, misogynist and he's the court. He, you know, he's the head of this corporation and blah, 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 blah. But he does have this like youthful, Ness to him and this like witty sense of humor and this little literally body of the elf like he's literally body of the elf but as a misogynist CEO and that is my description of Will Ferrell's character and honestly I was obsessed I was glad that it was like that based off of the um commercials and like the previews 
I had seen. I wasn't really sure what the storyline of the Mattel executives were in the movie. And I loved it. I loved that they they almost viewed Barbie Land as like they were in control of it, but they were it was also like their enemy. Like I, they were obsessed with it, but they were monetizing off of this place that like they had never been or didn't know anything about, but they also loved it, but they were also taking advantage of it. I don't know. I liked the whole story with the Mattel execs. And I loved that even though the movie is literally produced by Pratel, like Pratel, that's not a word, sir. Even though the movie is literally by Mattel, they were, the whole movie was making fun of Mattel. The whole movie like was being scared of Mattel or, you know, I mean, I guess not the whole movie because they did speak about Mattel being like the mother and like basically like God. And, you know, Ruth obviously is like God, but the Mattel execs in Los Angeles were like the, the evil part of the movie. And, um, I don't know. It's just funny because they, they were obviously, they were playing on themselves, which is funny because you obviously want, if if people are going to be joking about you or talking shit about you, you want to be the one leading the conversation. And even when, Basically, anything that happened in Barbie Land, then the toys just magically appeared in the factory and then they sold. And, you know, the the Ken doll was selling very well because of what was happening in Barbie Land. And um, de- depressed Barbie <laughs> was selling really well or like normal Barbie or whatever. Uh, I don't know. So it was funny that they were playing off of the fact that whatever happened, like they're going to make a Barbie out of anything and they're going to make money off of anything and they're going to capitalize off of anything no matter what the Barbie is and no matter what the toy is. However, I will say it was interesting that, you know, Will Ferrell is playing the CEO and that's part of the whole thing is that Barbie goes to the real world and in Barbie land, everything is run by women. And then she gets to Mattel and she's like, wait, there's literally not one woman in this boardroom. It's all men. Meanwhile, Barbie land is made for women and like you guys made us and like what's happening. I'm so confused. Um, so obviously Mattel is making this movie about feminism and about how men are taking up, you know, women's spaces and it's not all equal. And I don't know what their whole board looks like, but I do know that the CEO of Mattel is a man. So you made a movie about the problem, but also you are the problem. So I don't know. I thought that was like an interesting little takeaway about the whole storyline. There was also this joke at the very end with Ruth, um, the creator of Barbie. She, (laughs) she come out and, you know, she made a joke about how she created this and she, whatever, there were a few like tax evasion issues and there was an IRS issue. Once again, that actually happened. Like she d- actually did have issues with the IRS and she did have an issue about tax evasion. And Mattel's just highlighting it. Like Mattel's literally incorporating that into the movie, even though it's about the history of their company being shady. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I appreciated how they were in on the joke and didn't try and hide anything about like the history of Mattel or the like the dealings of Mattel and the fact that they had Ruth, an actress of Ruth, meanwhile, R.I.P. Ruth, literally say that she committed tax evasion and tax fraud was hilarious. 
So obviously the movie's about Barbies and Barbie land. Everything's perfect. All run by women, whatever. She escapes to the real world because she's connected to the person that has her Barbie. And, you know, they're connected a little bit too much. They're both feeling about the same things, worrying about death, you know, blah, 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 fears and yada, yada, yada. She goes to the real world. It's all run by men. She's confused. She has this existential crisis. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, Ruth Handler, is that her name? I think. Ruth the creator of Barbie gives Barbie the choice to go back to the real world and like stay human and live a normal life or, you know, stay in Barbie land and continue this fantasy world, blah, 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 blah. Um, it was all about the patriarchy and how men run everything. And she just couldn't go back to being fake in Barbie land, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people, say they cried at the end. I did not cry at the end, probably because I'm not a woman and that is not my story. I'm obviously a white male in a predominantly white male uh, driven society. So I fully understood the story arc and I fully understood her breakthrough and her sadness that came along with that. But like that didn't move me to tears personally. Um, but I understand how it made a lot of women feel. And I think it's really beautiful. I also do see the other side of people feeling like they talked about the patriarchy a little too much. And it's hard because just because, what am I trying to say? When you take a movie about something like Barbie, that is so beloved, that has so many people that have like personal connections to it you're going to get backlash no matter what you create. You're going to get backlash whether you make it super campy and fun and it's just all about Barbie land and whatever. People are going to, you know, come back and, you know, hit the other argument and say, well, Barbie isn't just a toy. She's not just for play and whatever. Barbie, you know, they did dress her up as an astronaut before there ever was a female astronaut. Barbie had her own house before it was even legal for women to be on a mortgage. Barbie had her own credit card and her own job before it was legal for women to become doctors. Like Barbie was this really progressive idea in society. And so I think if they had just made this super campy movie about Barbie land and she never went to the real world and it wasn't about patriarchy and this existential crisis that she had, I think that there also would have been the argument on the other side of like, Hey, like you're just furthering into the idea that like Barbie's just a toy. And it's just like for little girls who are dumb and immature. And it's like, no, no, no. Like almost like the, the teenager in the film, like her viewpoint on it, like Barbies are just dumb and we haven't played with that in a while. And I do appreciate how they really highlighted like the importance of Barbie and all the careers that she had and all the costumes that she had and the fact that it was her dream house. Like those things might seem trivial and feel dumb and feel small, but I do think that it's a beautiful thing and it is a really beautiful toy and it's a beautiful company and like everything that they've done is like really amazing. And I even grew up on Barbies. Like that's literally how I feel like I found out I was gay is I loved Barbies. I also love Bratz dolls, but <laughs> I digress. This is about Barbie. Um, I loved playing Barbies with my cousins and just the fantasy that it would take me into. And I feel like I really got to express myself in ways that I 
couldn't any other way other than playing Barbies because that was the only time I could tap into my feminine energy or my little gayness and, you know, do the outfits and the hair and whatever. And I, I understand feeling so connected to Barbie. And so the movie wasn't going to please everyone. I do overall love the movie. I think it was beautiful. I think it was amazing. I love the story. I love the messaging. And I think, like I said, if they wanted to do a sequel, because I love the patriarchy thing so much and I didn't feel like it was too forced. I felt like it, the movie was still campy. It was still fun. It was still very Barbie-licious. But I also think that um, the director, Greta Gerwig, who now is the first female director to gross um, a billion dollars in the box office. Congratulations, Greta, um, which is insane. A billion dollars is literally insane. But um, I think she had a story that she wanted to tell and she told it. And it wasn't necessarily about bringing this Barbie to life. She was using Barbie as a way to get her message about the patriarchy out there, which perfectly coincides with the actual toy Barbie. The toy Barbie back in the day was well beyond her years and she was doing things that women weren't allowed to do in the real world. And that's why she blew up and why she became this huge fantasy and why so many people feel connected to her. Now, that being said, now that we've completed that story arc and we've got that message out there, now let's do a sequel with just Ken in Barbie land figuring out his whole thing because he had his whole existential crisis and the movie kind of left with, you didn't know what Barbie land was in. It was in this state of, you know, change and growth and all the Ken's finding themselves. And I feel like it would be really fun to do a sequel of Ken and they are only in Barbie land and it is just campy and fun and, you know, maybe they're learning about love and they're learning about all these other emotions and like what it is to be a man and whatever. But maybe, you know, what it is to be a man. I, what am I trying to say? Not what it is to be a man, because like we are in a man's world, but like just balancing that back out in society. And, you know, I don't know. I think it could be really fun to do a sequel. I am normally anti sequel. However, Shrek 2 is better than Shrek 1. So. Ken could have a sequel and it could be better than Barbie. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm throwing out free ideas. And if Greta Gerwig would like a consultant on the film, I am available. I'm available. The Tyrant Podcast. <laughs> also, if Greta Gerwig would like to come on the podcast or Brian Gosling or Margot Robbie, I'm open. I, I think I can squeeze you in. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I have any other notes on Barbie. I really just like overall, I wanted to be a hater it's a beautiful movie. I can understand everyone's opinions on it because everyone does have such a special place for Barbie in their heart, especially if you are a girl. I can understand a lot of the arguments happening. I think we're at an interesting point with just society and feminism, like with the whole Snow White movie that's about to come out and they are not having her be saved by a prince and they're not having her have her you know the kiss that brings her back to life because a lot of feminists would say you know the girl doesn't need a man and that plays into gender roles in which a girl has to sit sit around and wait for a prince to save her but there's also this other side of the argument now which i agree it's like what is so wrong about wanting a little help what's so wrong about 
wanting someone to come save you? What what's so wrong with wanting to find a prince charming or wanting that fairy tale love that story? That doesn't make you not feminist because I've seen this uh, TikTok video and I'll see if I can remember it, but they explained like why Snow White was so much of a feminist. First off, she was I think the first Disney animated film. I think. And she was the longest and like Disney almost went bankrupt and they took out like millions and millions of dollars of loans from Bank of America. And they almost like literally lost Disney just trying to produce this film about a woman. And Snow White lives in this house by herself with the seven dwarves. And like she has created this whole life for herself while this evil stepmom is, you know, taken over and blah, blah, blah. She'd faced so much adversity. And the story is actually very pro-feminist already. And just because... First off, the prince in the is in the movie for literally like uh, two minutes, and just because you have a uh, prince save you here or there, and you want a little kiss, does not make you not a feminist. So I think the argument goes both ways, and I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how media shifts in the next few years. I think there was such a drought of women's stories being told, and this super progressive at the patriarchy vibe in media for so long that then I feel like the last five years, like every movie has been so politically correct and so hyper-focused on feminism and, you know, racial equality and uh, sexual equality or uh, sexual orientation. You know, there's always a gay character or this, whatever. It's like we've leaned so hard into that representation, um, you know, vibe. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I think now the scale will kind of balance a little bit. And now not every movie will have to be about F the patriarchy, feminist power. Um, you know, not every movie has to have a gay best friend. Not every show should have the token black character. Like not every show, not saying that there shouldn't be representation of everyone in all movies. I just think, you know, there was none for so long. And now we're like to where it's feeling like, a little too much and every movie is kind of the same and it's feeling like a movie every movie is trying to say like a political statement and i think now the balance the scale will balance out a little bit and we'll have that inclusion in movies it just won't be so like in your face that this movie is about inclusion or this movie is about f to patriarchy it'll just be more subtle than that i don't know so we'll see overall love the movie 10 out of 10 love you barbie oh oh <laughs> I just got up to pee and I think sitting down for this podcast, like this was the first time I've like really sat for this long since I broke my knee and sitting down has made it 10 times worse. Like I actually think my knee might be broken. Oh, I could barely walk and I feel like waking up tomorrow is going to be quite the treat. So can't wait for that. Stay tuned. Um, anyways, let's get into Oppenheimer. Sorry, this podcast is going to be a little bit longer today, but I had a lot to say. Anyways, um, yeah. Okay, so Barbie was two hours long, and I got out of the theater at 6.30. It finished. And what time did Oppenheimer start? 6.30. So I am not exaggerating when I say I walked out of Barbie, went to the concession stand, got a water bottle and a pizza, and I went into Oppenheimer. Yes, I paid for both tickets. I did not theater hop. And... Luckily, like, I, I caught, like, the last little bit of um, the Exorcist <laughs> trailer, and which shook me to my core and put me in just a huge mood after Barbie. Um, but then, yeah, I got a 
hop right into the start of Oppenheimer and it was great. It was kind of nice to just go right to the next. I feel like if there was like 20 minutes in between, I probably would have bailed because I was feeling tired and it was already dark outside and I'm not much of a moviegoer anyway. And I got into the theater and it was kind of small. Not the best theater to go to, but I digress. Now, Oppenheimer is obviously a completely different vibe than Barbie. It's a lot darker. And I knew that it was about the bomb or like the making of a bomb, but I didn't really know that much going into it. I'm not a history buff. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know the cast or anything. And so this movie, I was like really paying attention to. I really had to like focus in Barbie. It's kind of like light, fun, you know, you don't really have to follow anything too hard. But with Oppenheimer, I felt like they're, they're going back and forth between kind of two timelines. And I was really having to pay attention. I was being put to work in that movie theater, which was cool. I'm, I am a huge history Per, when I just said I wasn't a history buff, I don't know a lot about history, but I love learning about it. And I love history biopics like this. I love um, movies about this time frame. One of my favorite movies ever is The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I actually loved it so much that I went immediately to the bookstore and bought it. And you guys know I do not like to read. And I read it for a book report for my class. And it was just such a beautiful book, such a beautiful movie. I am fascinated about that time period in history, you know, with Hitler and the Holocaust and World War II and was that World War II or World War One? One of them. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if I want to say fascinated by that time period because obviously it's like so dark and there's a lot. It's just so hard for me to comprehend that that was a reality not that long ago. And so learning about the inner workings of that time period, you know, how they got to that point, how they got out of that point, how the people like live their day to day lives while that was going on in Germany is just like very uh, I don't know the right word to describe it, I guess. Yeah, because well, I want to say. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of a word. It's just very in like, I don't want to say interesting because that makes it sound like it's like a positive. It's just crazy. I guess that's the word I'll use. It's very crazy to learn about and to see. And Oppenheimer was filmed so beautifully, so well done. I definitely recommend right off the bat overall 10 out of 10. I definitely recommend seeing it. It is, it's heavy in the sense that like, Obviously, it's about one of the world wars. I don't know which one. Um, it's about that time. You know, they're racing to get a bomb before Germany does. Um, but you never really see Germany. You never see anything that has to do with concentration camps or what they're doing um, to the Jewish community or any anything about that. So it it, it has this other looming darkness to it and you feel that a ton with the main character Oppenheimer um just this battle that he's facing between science and his love for science and experiments and you know wanting to be wanting to discover this this way to create a bomb and how to split atoms and whatever the the inner workings of the science of it he's battling between 
his love for science and this new discovery and also the the repercussions that he know is going to come from this because just he he's making the bomb and he's creating it but he's not the one who dropped it on Hiroshima or, or Nagasaki and he's not the one that had any choice on whether or not they were going to drop it or they were going to create a bomb like he knew that they were going to do it with or without him so he was like well I might as well be the lead scientist on this I don't know and it's this very you can see he's really struggling throughout the whole time. Even when they like finally complete the bomb and they actually get it made, everyone's cheering and it's so exciting because they've just made this massive scientific discovery of literally making a working atomic bomb. But then there's this immediate kind of regret and sorrow that comes with that, that, bomb actually working because they he knows what this means it's a weapon of mass destruction and it's a weapon that the united states will use now that they have it and they did use it and they thought that it was gonna i think they thought that it was gonna kill like twenty thousand people which is obviously still so many people but i think it ended up killing a hundred and ten thousand people that day alone and then i think from radiation poisoning from miles away after like i think it was like well beyond that i think they said like the death toll was like two hundred thousand people or something like that's crazy that is insane and i don't know so the movie was just very interesting watching the the makings of this and his life and they kind of made it seem as though that was his life's purpose, which I guess it kind of was like, he was a very strong, uh, he was a very knowledgeable scientist and he, he's kind of having these like flashes all the time of like, like almost of the breaking of an atom in his brain. Like he, like there was this itch in his brain that he knew that this was something that he needed to do or to figure out. There was like this like yearning to and desire to, mess with this almost as if it was his life destiny but until they approached him with creating the actual atomic bomb like he didn't really know what his life's purpose was that's kind of like the takeaway i took from like i don't know the lead up the prelude of the whole movie but um there was something that was said in the movie to oppenheimer from some other guy when they were getting started when he either like he got a job at a, uh, a university or something, but I found it really interesting and I just thought it was um, kind of an, uh, an interesting way to look at something. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, he said to Oppenheimer, it's not, can you read music? It's, can you hear it? And then he says, can you hear it? Because he's basically saying like Oppenheimer, like I know you've got the credentials. I know you've got, you know, all this history of you being a good scientist and blah, 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 blah. But it's not whether or not you can do science or that you can like do the math equations or blah, 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 blah. It's like, can you, can you see it? Can you feel it? And up until then you had seen him having these like kind of flashes in his brain of the breaking of breakings of these atoms. And, and so that those were all kind of leading up to this question was like, like I was saying, like he had this itch inside him that like he just needed to, 
like the way that I feel like I need to create and I love to create art and I love to shoot photos. Like that was the itch he has for science. Like he's just so fascinated and so enthralled with it. And he has so much to give almost that it's like too good for him. He's about to burst out of his own body and it makes him like a big weirdo. And like, he just is like always feeling uncomfortable because he just like, I don't know, has to be doing science. And, um, so then it, it leads up to this question. He's like, it's not, can you read music? It's, can you hear it? Can you hear it? And he says, yes, I can hear it. And I just love that quote with anything, with any form of art, science, music, uh, photography, anything that you like to do. It's not, can you read music? Can you hear it? Because there are so many things in the world that we can learn. We can teach ourselves science. We can teach ourselves you know, linguistic, <laughs> like, I don't know, reading, you can teach yourself photography, you can teach yourself, you can teach yourself how to work a camera, you can teach yourself photography, but can you see the images before you take them? Like you can teach yourself how to read music and to play the piano, but can you hear the music before you even do it? Like there are people that sit down at a piano and just go for it. They don't need to read the sheet music. They don't need to know, like know that they can, they can read the music, but they hear the music in their body. And I just felt like that was like a really inspiring quote that he had said so much so that I literally wrote it down in my notes right as he said that because I didn't want to forget it. And I don't know if I'm explaining that <laughs> right or if that made any sense at all. But I just think if there's things in your life that you can feel like music, you can read music, but can you feel it? Like if there are things in your life that you feel like so passionate about that, like he did with science then that's beautiful because not everyone has that. And I feel like you should really chase that feeling and chase that. I don't know. It's almost like destiny. And he, that was obviously his destiny. And at the end of the movie, the, he, he's, you know, standing with Albert Einstein and that, the movie kind of starts with him talking to Albert Einstein, which <laughs> Jose and I already talked about the fact that Albert Einstein and the fact that Helen Keller probably popped up in this movie somewhere is just blown to bits. I thought Albert Einstein was in like the 1400s and I was fully not aware that he was alive with my great granny just going to brunch. Um, but it was really fascinating to see his character and I didn't realize how much kind of a weirdo Albert Einstein was. Um, he's just this little like foreign guy. I don't know what country he's from, but just this little like foreign guy and just like an old like scientist and he's kind of a doofus and his hair, his hat blows off in the wind and whatever. Anyways, he, the movie kind of starts off with Oppenheimer becoming, taking over this institute for the United States government after he created the bomb. And he goes up to Albert Einstein because he also lives on this property and like works for this institution for the United States government. And you don't know what they're saying. You don't know what they say to each other. And Albert Einstein kind of looks pissed when he walks away. And the whole movie, I literally wrote down, I was like, what did he say to Albert Einstein to make him pissed? And that's kind of this whole, you're going, you're, you're flashing back and forth between these two time periods of the, before making the bomb and making the bomb. And then afterwards, Oppenheimer is kind of put on trial for making the bomb and doing exactly what he was hired to do. And so you're, at first, I was very confused about what was happening because you you can definitely tell between the two time differences. One of them, which is confusing, the the more up-to-date time period is in black and white, the one that's closest to the present. 
And then the throwback of where, which is where you spend the majority of the time when he's actually building the bomb is in color. And so there's just this looming question, like what did he say to piss Albert off, whatever, blah, blah. blah. And then you end up seeing at the, at the end of the movie that he basically said, like, I, I created something and I had to live with the consequences of finding out so much about the world and about science and whatever. Like I, there were consequent, there are consequences to knowledge with science is basically what he said. And then he was like, you now have to face the consequences. Like you made a weapon of mass destruction. You made an atomic bomb and that's an amazing scientific discovery. And I'm so proud of you. But now you have to live with that on your conscience and you have to live with the consequences of creating that. And basically because the U.S. government, the whole movie you find out is the person, the people that were, you know, kind of setting him up to make this atomic bomb. Then at the end, were kind of discarding him and he was kind of being set up as this like communist spy. And I was very confused because I don't really even know what communism is. <laughs> All I know is that it's bad. And so when he he did go to communist meetings before he had made the atomic bomb and he, you know, kind of fell in love with this girl who was a communist and they couldn't be together because she was a communist and they had different views and blah, 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 blah. The, his wife, who he ended up marrying, had ties to the communist party. His brother was a communist, whatever. There was all these inner workings and that's what the trial was about at the end was they basically were like, were you a Russian spy or were you a, I mean, not a Russian spy, I don't know. Were you a member of the communist party when you were hired to make an atomic bomb? I don't know what that would have anything to do with it because it's like, well, he made the atomic bomb for you. But then, you know, you come to find out there were, there was a Soviet spy and they were getting the information as well of what they were learning at this place, Los Alamos or whatever in New Mexico. Um, I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> about this movie so much it was just so interesting like i i don't even know where to start i took so many notes it was really frustrating that watching watching them watching the united states hire this person to create this weapon to create a bomb knowing that after they had all these scientists give them this hand of god this otherworldly device that could literally kill hundreds of thousands of people instantly. They knew that once the scientists had created this, that they were, they had to distance themselves far away from them, that they had to, you know, blacklist them in society. And Oppenheimer didn't know that. And Oppenheimer got kind of famous off of it. And, you know, he was the time person of the year and all this stuff. But then when he went to, like, he went to meet the president at the time, I can't remember who it was, Truman, um, when he went to be the president after they had dropped the bomb and whatever, Oppenheimer was kind of realizing what he had done and all the people that had, had died and he realized that they killed a lot more people than they thought. The way that Truman, and obviously this is all, like, hearsay and I don't know how much of it's true versus fiction, um, no one knows exactly what was said in that room, but they go to the Oval Office and Truman is basically like, grow up. You shouldn't feel bad because you didn't drop the bomb. You just made it. I dropped it and I killed all those people. And the way that they're talking about killing all these innocent lives and women and children and like dropping the bomb at Hiroshima and Nagasaki like is so disgusting. Like he was so passive about 
this huge weapon that Oppenheimer had just created. And Oppenheimer, you could tell, was just really starting to live with the consequences and was just really like he could he couldn't come to terms with what had happened and what what this meant for the future. And I don't know. It's this whole race of, you know, then are they going to build a hydrogen bomb and all this, whatever. I, I feel like I'm rambling. I don't even know what to say. The cast was so star-studded, like way more star-studded than I had thought of because I, like I said, I didn't know anything going into the movie. But literally, like, they had stars like Rami Malek. I don't know if that's how you say it. Rami Malek, who literally, like, is A-list celebrity, plays, like, the main characters of these huge blockbuster films. And he had, like, a throwaway part. Like, he he was this, like, little character that he maybe had, like... 10 minutes in the whole movie of the three hour movie. And it was crazy. Like Josh Peck was in it from Drake and Josh. He had like a role, but like he was only in it for like two minutes. There were all these um, people in it. Like literally it was a star started cast. Um, the guy who plays um, the president in scandal fits. He was in it. He didn't really have a huge part. There were every single person in the movie was like an a list celebrity, even if they had a big part or not, which I just feel like, was very um, rare. I feel like normally like you have the A-listers who play the big parts and then, you know, you have the B-C-listers who play the, you know, they're always the friend of, they're always this character. But this movie literally was a star-set cast. Like A-lister, every single part, and every single person was casted so correctly. Like you could have told me that that was Albert Einstein and I would have believed you. Like it was so good. The person who played Oppenheimer, I think 100% will be getting outstanding actor award, whatever best actor in a major motion picture um, for Oscars this year. I'm really interested for this next upcoming cycle of award shows. I feel like we're going to get a whole other press of Barbie. And since they didn't get to finish their tour with um, the strike that's going on, It'll be interesting to see if they continue, you know, all the Barbie looks and do all of that stuff. Anyways, back to Oppenheimer. There was a part in the movie when they finally dropped the bomb and it's silent. Like this whole movie, there's like dramatic music and it's loud and they're banging and, you know, they're creating a bomb. And then it finally gets to this point where they create the bomb and they're dropping it. And there was terrible weather and it's this whole thing. There's lightning. But he's like, I, I promise I grew up here. It's going to clear up. They finally dropped the bomb. And it's literally like silent for like maybe five minutes. Silent. You see the bomb go off and it's just like light and destruction in everyone's faces. It's just like, oh my God, it works. Like they didn't know if it was going to work or not. They didn't know if it was a dud. And it finally goes off and you're just like entranced in this moment. There was so much lead up to it. Keep in mind, this is like two and a half hours into the movie. And finally it works. Finally it goes off and you're just watching it. And like five minutes after it goes off of the silence, the loudest bang ever happens. And I about shit my pants. I about poop my pants in the chair. It was insane because I mean, that's really how bombs work. It's like lightning and thunder. You know, you see the lightning before the thunder, the thunder comes way after and light travels so much faster than sound. So you see the bomb immediately, but then you're so far away because you don't want to get radiation poisoning that by the time finally the sound hits you, the bomb had already been off for a little bit. So I don't know. It was very, it was cinematic masterpiece. Like I almost shit my pants, but it was so cool. It was so crazy to watch, though, once the bomb had finally went off, the test bomb. They obviously don't show, like, 
the actual bombing of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. But once the test had gone off and it was successful and all the science had worked, they were so happy that their experiment worked and that their theories were correct. And, you know, it was this like huge scientific discovery and whatever. They basically figured out how stars work and how stars die and gravity. And it was fascinating for the scientific world. But it's like I was saying earlier, like the immediate then juxtaposition of like what you know that this means was crazy. But it really felt like Oppenheimer was kind of the only person that was struggling with that, maybe because he was considered the father of the atomic bomb and he was the head headline of this whole uh, experiment. And so he kind of put all those lives in his hands, but they throw, they're basically like throwing a party after and they're all cheering and Oppenheimer's giving this speech about, you know, this scientific discovery and how the world is going to remember this day. And it was just so surreal watching them cheer about this bomb being created, knowing now, like obviously like we are in a post bomb era and we know what happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And so watching them just cheer about all that before it happened was like so gross and so like humbling as an American and as I don't know, just like we don't do that now. Like, I mean, I'm sure that we would get into a nuclear war like if needed to be, unfortunately, but I'm so against that because it's literally a weapon of mass destruction. It's disgusting. But the fact that we even have that, the fact that anyone on the world has the power to just casually drop a bomb of that size onto cities of people and the fact that people on the other side would literally be cheering in a room is so gross. Like there's this scene with, I don't know who it is, someone on the president's like team. And once they, they're chatting about where they're going to drop the bomb about cities in Japan. And the guy, the person on the president's team is like, Oh, okay. So there's 12 cities in Japan that we could possibly drop it on. And then he looks at the list and he's like, Oh no, not, not this city and crosses it out. He's like, me and my wife love to go there on vacation. It's a beautiful place. Like, they were choosing where to drop this bomb and kill thousands and thousands of people based off of where they like to go on vacation in that place. Like, they were like, oh, we love, we love going to Japan. Oh, 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 it was, um, uh, 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 kimono? No, not kimono. It was, uh, I can't remember. They, they... They crossed out and they were like, there's historical significance to this city. So like, we're going to not do it. Oh, but Hiroshima's fine. Let's bomb all of them. Because I don't like to vacation there because there's no historical significance. There's no cultural anything there. So let's just bomb it. What? Like watching them like sit in this boardroom deciding where the bomb should get dropped was insane. And the fact that that's probably how it actually happens was just like very, I don't know humbling very like eerie i feel like i've been ranting about oppenheimer too long i feel like it's really one of those movies that you need to see it and you need to see it to get it if you don't like historical biopics or whatever you probably won't like it i heard i can't remember who said this maybe it was um claudia from the toast 
that she thought it was a little too long. She thought it was like 30 minutes too long. I actually, which this is a shocker because you know I just watched Barbie and I've been at the movies all day. It was really long, but I never felt bored. I never felt that it was going on too long in a certain scene. So I actually didn't think that it was too long. I think if it had been shorter, like there's just so much about what happened that you kind of want to understand you're, you're kind of thrown into Oppenheimer's life, like while he's at college and then you're going back and forth between these two time periods. And so you're the first like 30 minutes, you're just trying to get a grip on who's who, what's happening, where even are these people? What are they trying to figure out? Like, what's his history? I guess maybe if you had any knowledge about Oppenheimer previously, or if you had knowledge about the makings of the atomic bomb or Hiroshima, then maybe you would feel like it had gone on a little bit too long because maybe it was stuff you already knew. But from someone who had no idea what it was about or anything about the topic, I felt like I appreciated the extra context in the movie. The movie is so beautifully filmed the color grading, the music score, the casting, the costume design, the set design, everything, 10 out of 10, so beautiful. Same for Barbie, 10 out of 10, beautiful story, beautiful casting, casting design, costume, every single part of it. Both of them really lived up to the Barbenheimer hype, and I'm glad that I saw them back to back, honestly, because it was kind of fun. Barbie had me be a little bit fun, campy. Oppenheimer really brought me back down to earth. I really wish I had not seen the Exorcist trailer in the middle because that really put me in a mood. But anyways, there's my Barbenheimer review. And <laughs> let me know if you guys liked it. Make sure you follow at French Podcast on Instagram and give me a rating and review in the Apple Podcast Store. If you're watching this on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up. Comment down below. <laughs> um, uh, give me a rating, review on Spotify. I don't know. Do all the things. Do all the things. I love you guys so much. Happy one year anniversary to my little tyrants. You guys are everything to me. And I'm just so excited to see where this podcast goes. And yeah, let me know if you guys like the movie review. Maybe we'll do it again soon for some other movies coming out. Anyways, hope you guys have a great week. Happy hump day. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week. <laughs>